Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 234th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? Doing great as always, Cameron. How about you? I'm doing well. Coming off back-to-back Mizzou basketball wins. I don't get to say that all that often. <laughs> In conference season, at least. Right. Um, yeah, it's been a good week for basketball. Looked a little scary last night. We'll get to that. Um, we actually have some football news this week to get caught up on. Spring practices are underway. And yeah, before we get into all of that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, leave us a review where you listen to us. Of course, you can support us directly on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod is where you can find all of that. Um, yeah, let's get caught up on football news a little bit. There was a scary moment that came through Mizzou Twitter, and I'm sure trickled down into all corners of Mizzou fandom. Sam Horn left a baseball game with an elbow injury, and it felt for a few, for like a day and a half, like the world was going to end. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I don't know how much you watch baseball in this current age, Cameron, but anytime a pitcher leaves the game with like an elbow injury or, you know, pointing to his arm or anything like that, just assume the worst is basically what I've learned like in my limited time watching baseball because I don't watch a lot of baseball anymore. But that's just almost never a good thing. Yeah, just from throwing a pitch and then like, oop, something didn't feel right. Yeah. I need to come out. Yeah, so, and, you know, Obviously, we, we were assuming the worst, which is probably what, like, Tommy John surgery, he's out for the whole year, see you next, see you next year. Uh, so that was absolutely, like, on the table as far as what I was thinking could happen, especially being a Mizzou fan. You just prepare yourself for that. I don't think, just to point out, I don't think Tommy John surgery is quite as extensive a recovery as, like, a knee injury or something mm. like that. So I don't think it would have been the end of the world, even if that was the case. Still probably missing all of the off season and yeah. maybe the season as well though yeah. so that was probably still like worst case scenario but we come out we came out pretty much unscathed i think sounds like just a, uh, a strain uh, of some kind a sprain even no ligament damage no ligament damage so uh i don't know what that means for sam horn's baseball uh career sounds like he's gonna be out probably for a few weeks at the minimum but uh we we avoided the worst yeah, Coach Drinkwitz uh, gave a press conference, and he said that uh, he won't be pitching for, like, yeah, two or three weeks, but he could actually throw a football sooner than that mm. because just the arm motion doesn't put the strain on the elbow. Mm. So, uh, yeah, all things considered, dodged a bullet there, no big deal. We're about uh, to have only one quarterback in spring football. Yeah. For a minute there. That's I what mean, I thought. Yeah, that's what we've got temporarily pretty much yeah sam horn i mean it sounds like he's pitching well though yeah i mean he's he was hitting 97 yeah i mean i don't have to tell you guys this he's clearly a great athlete very talented player. how tall is he off the top I of your head i think he's six four six six five? four throwing 97 he's a big dude that's impressive yeah. i mean you could tell like just in the limited time that he played last season in football Mm -hmm. that he just his arm he had insane arm talent like just the balls just come out of his hand so well Mm -hmm. so 
but he'll he'll be fine. He'll be fine. All's fine. Um, in other football news, uh, Coach Drinkwitz was just updating the media and everybody about the team. And a couple notes that I wrote down: uh, Luther Burden m- taking over the vacated slot wide receiver position now that Lovett is gone. What do you think of that? Oh, I think that's great. I think that's his natural position, really, and um, that means he's going to line up, you know, more on the inside. He's going to have some more kind of interior routes, maybe some shorter stuff. Um, a lot of times that means he's going to be targeted a lot more than he would be if he were on the outside. So, yeah, Luther Burden, like 150 target season incoming. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just joking. That's obviously uh, more targets he's going to get, but he is gonna he's going to be peppered. We'll, we'll put it that way. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I fully expect him to still line up in the backfield sometimes and take sweeps and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they'll just kind of be able to. And I know this is kind of a touchy subject because it's gone poorly in the past, but I think from that slot position, they'll be able to manufacture touches for him easier and uh, open up those outside positions for deeper passes. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see it. Obviously, Dominic Lovett did just fine from that position. Yeah. Uh, Drinkwitz also said that freshman uh, defensive back Marvin Burks could compete for playing time. Does that surprise you? Um, I don't know. I mean, coaches can say anything this time of year, but if if he legitimately is fighting for playing time as a true freshman, I think I would be a little surprised. Yeah, even knowing how talented he is, yeah, because I just know how difficult that is for like an 18-year-old kid to come in and, and play immediately. Yeah. Uh, and maybe that's something you say about a kid that, you know, was a big recruiting get. And, yeah. Speaking of coaches saying anything and everything, he also said that Blake Craig would compete with Harrison Mevis at the kicker spot. Of course, he's a kicker. They'll be competing. Yeah. Mevis mm, lost a little bit of his luster maybe recently. Missed a few kicks. Yeah. He was maybe not quite as depend- dependable as he's been. This season still nailed all the long kicks, but yeah, on the short stuff that he, he wasn't as, so as maybe nails. Okay, get a new name in there, maybe wake him up a little bit. Okay, yeah. You think that's the strategy there? Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like uh, typically it's is it uncommon to recruit a specialist when you still have one on the ro- like you still have kind of like your guy on the yeah. roster. I feel like typically <laughs> they try to time that a little bit better, but. Maybe they just felt like they couldn't pass up the opportunity on Blake Craig. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it'd be weird if they were closer in age, but uh, I think they'll just have one year of overlap if everything goes according to plan. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm just thinking like NCAA 14 like <laughs> recruiting. No, I mean that's how it's gone for Mizzou. I feel like the yeah. last few starting kickers have been like, okay, your turn. Yep. To be the kicker, mm-hmm. and then next guy. Yeah. Which it'll basically be that anyway. Um, in, I mean, you know, you never know. Maybe Blake Craig will be the guy, but I bet Harrison Mevis has something to say about that. <laughs> Safe assumption. Um, Mizzou football got their first commitment of the 2024 class with Joplin tight end Witt Hafer, three-star player and son of former Mizzou basketball player Jeff Hafer. He is listed at 6'7", 230 as a tight end That's in high school. pretty good size for, I guess, you would still be a junior right now right yeah yeah um that is i guess is that two years in a row our first commit has been three years in a row yes our first commit's been a tight end wisner norfleet now Uh, hafer wow 
which it still feels like and just because of how long like recruiting takes it's just like none of these guys are playing yet or yes. anything like it's just it's a yeah. very drawn out process we're talking about yeah max wisner who hasn't done anything yet he's like a red redshirt freshman now. yeah um yeah i mean that's great though keep keep stacking the room those guys that's going to pay off eventually it just it does take a long time but um february is pretty early to get your first commit so that's a good sign get the ball rolling yeah do you think uh for the football season would you like to see the the tight end involvement has just kind of like been confusing to me it's been nebulous for sure yeah and it's I can't figure out if it's like a scheme thing or if they just haven't had the guy at the position that they feel like they need. Mm-hmm. And I think I think it's more so personnel. Yeah. I do because um, when Bazelak was here and uh, Nico Hay was there, he was you know, he had some good looks and was kind of the touchdown guy for a little bit there. And but in a season that Missouri really struggled offensively o- overall. And they they incorporated Daniel Parker Jr. pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I do think that when that when the guy is there they'll use him and they've they've just had good some good wide receiver talent too that they just probably want to funnel the ball to but i think i think uh we're on the up and up for tight ends for sure um anything else football that you want to mention before we switch gears i think that's it but it it does seem a little bit uh early i don't know it's like it's already spring football yeah just kind of came out of nowhere maybe that's a factor of the basketball team playing well like <laughs> yeah. we're still super engaged there that's like march true. madness bubble talk and then it's like oh football the spring back. game is the end of march which seems really early i mean yeah. it, it's march now so yeah. only it's only like two or three weeks away wow. so it's gonna be it's gonna be a chilly one potentially yeah but it'll, it'll barely be spring yeah man i can't wait to uh to see him out there though see how the quarterbacks are looking and i don't know that's kind of just like I don't know. That's the that's the bare bones of your team. You know, the, the freshmen haven't come in yet. These are the the kind of the next guys up. You get your first look at those at those guys that are going to be the next ones. Um, let's see here. Uh, Mizzou did Mizzou basketball did get a commitment. Uh, preferred walk on JV Brown. Don't know much about him. Doesn't have much of a recruiting uh, profile. Preferred walk on, but welcome in what's your hot take on the use of the bat signal for a for a preferred walk-on are you in favor i don't care let everybody feel special i guess i mean i guess you have to right yeah he committed is a basketball commit i mean if you're putting it all together like with the class sizes and like what time of year it is and they're that just kind of coming out of nowhere the bat signal comes out it's like eh yeah, I mean, this I was, is probably going to be a preferred walk. Right, I was thinking like this. I mean, we're on some pretty big guys right now, high school wise. Yeah. So, this is either like a five star commit or like a walk on, and nothing in between. Just right, because of exactly. the timing. Yeah. yeah. So the likelihood, I don't know. It just felt like with roster math and stuff. Yeah. It exactly. felt like a, not a scholarship situation. All right, let's talk about these wins. Uh, Mizzou basketball beat Georgia. 85 to 63 missouri was losing by one at halftime 41 40 opened the second half with a 23 to 4 run and in total outscored georgia 45 to 22 in the second half yeah yeah they i mean just like in the lsu game man they just turn it on for for periods of time and they just they just dominate 
And anytime, I mean, we, we talked about this last week too. We, we kind of thought this might be an opportunity for Missouri to break that the streak on the road of, of looking sluggish and not shooting well, and that's exactly what they did. And uh, all it takes is just a defense that isn't quite as, uh, uh, as, a, as a pest as like Mississippi State or A&M or something like that. Yeah. And that's all it took. Yeah. Yeah, Georgia way less physical than those teams. And, uh, I mean, the second half, when Missouri turned it on, I mean, it, it made their – obviously, the final score looked incredible. And uh, Missouri's shooting stats were amazing. Shot uh, 66% from two, 50% from three on 28 attempts. Uh, only got to the free throw line nine times, though. But I guess when you shoot 33s, that's kind of what's mm-hmm. going to happen. Uh, they did turn Georgia over 19 times. Love to see that. Uh, Nick Honor was the Ken Palm MVP, 17 points, four assists, no turnovers. Hmm. He's had a handful of games where he's had four or five assists and zero turnovers. Yeah, man, some of those console teams could have really used a player like Nick Honor. Just facilitate the offense, score when you need to, but mainly just don't turn the ball over. Just be a, a reliable uh, ball handler. We kind of have two of those guys. I mean, East is very similar with that description. And maybe um, a little bit less consistent as far as making mistakes mm-hmm. but again a Conzo team would have taken either one of those guys yeah um kind of a slow game for kobe brown he's in, even including the um lsu game he's had a little bit of a slump here uh his team has had to kind of pick him up a little bit but i was looking at his three-point shooting and let me pull it up here in the last three games Albin wins, but Kobe is one of eight from three. And in his previous four games, only two of those were wins. He was 11 of 19 from three. Mm. So it's interesting how like his, him specifically, his three-point shooting doesn't necessarily correlate to wins and losses. Yeah, Demoy Hodge, definitely. Yes. But yeah, Kobe Brown, just because he, I think he can help in other ways. But I have noticed, yeah, the couple, last couple of games, he hasn't been quite as on from the three-point line but he still has had some great drives and stuff where he just kind of I don't know makes some crazy moves and uh just he's got great touch around the basket usually and has kind of found other ways to get involved yeah and he's rebounding the ball well finding the open man there's a few times where he still needs to be quicker passing out of the double team but he's getting double teamed so much that I mean I remember back to like Jeremiah Tillman getting double teamed and it was like a coin flip whether he was going to make a spectacular play or lose the ball Mm -hmm. and I feel like we're better than a coin flip when Kobe gets double teamed uh yeah uh Hodge had 18 points against Georgia 6 of 11 from 3 all of his points came on made threes yeah and seemed like a lot of it was in the second half maybe yeah kind of like LSU Yeah, we might as well just kind of bundle these games together. I mean, it was, uh, like, so weird how they both kind of played out in the same way where in the first half it was like, all right, just get your threes out of your system. Like, you're shooting way better than you ever do in any game ever. And it's like, okay, just do this, and then w- once you stop, we'll be fine. We'll, we'll get back in it. Yeah. The more – it's like coming down to the end of the regular season, obviously, and I feel like I'm just now, maybe in the last week or so, kind of figuring out Missouri – defensively is bad 
they are, but like they just they just let the team have open threes. Right. That's that's and the plan. Yeah. And you'll see just interesting things like when a guy drives baseline or like elbow extended, the on ball defender will just kind of let him go sometimes. And then the neck the guy under the basket is supposed to step up and take him. Mm-hmm. And with the way Missouri's defense switches everything on the perimeter, they actually extend that to like every interaction on the court mm-hmm. on defense. They're switching it. And you see guys just like taking another offensive player and basically like directing their teammate to go over here. Mm-hmm. It is kind of interesting, but if those rotations aren't super clean and you're just rotating constantly on every defensive possession right with the way that missouri plays defense you're just going to leave open shooters sometimes yeah yeah it does seem like the more we watch them we've kind of figured out like okay yeah they're probably not the greatest defensive team they're not the best rebounding team but they like schematically are choosing to kind of give up some of these things in order to get more runouts or yes. um you know more steals it's definitely like a high risk high reward type defense and if you don't have Demoy Hodge, then maybe it doesn't work as well. Right. But he's so good at, at you know creating havoc on the perimeter and kind of picking pockets and stuff like that. Yeah, and you see stretches every single game. It doesn't matter who they're playing. Maybe the only time this didn't happen was like against Kansas and Alabama, where the offense gets sped up and they're like passing the ball around, but it's uh, sloppy. They almost turn it over two or three times. Sometimes those possessions are turning into easy two points the other way but sometimes they're turning into a wide open three wide Mm -hmm. open layup and uh it's like but it is like clockwork every single game there's somebody on the other team that's shooting like 23 percent from three on the year that makes three first half three pointers yeah and just Um, like okay well what how much did adam miller score last (laughs) night seemed like he hit at least five or six threes Adam Miller had 17 points, five of nine from three. And of course, but they said he was only like a 30% shooter this year. Like he's had kind of a down year, but he looked like his old self last night. Yeah. He's 32% on the year, but uh, yeah, he, there was a couple of plays in that game where he just, they just dissected Missouri's zone. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the broadcast crew covered that pretty well, mm-hmm. but he just set up in the corner. Yeah. It's wide open. They were kind of using like the, the screen kind of pick it and then kind of find the when when they draw the double team over here and then the screener kind of just moves over for an open three they were doing that well for in the first half yeah they have some creative sets there and i wonder you know i'd have to watch them play somebody like tennessee that actually has a legitimately good defense that's like fundamentally sound (laughs) but i i wonder i feel like there's half a dozen little plays like that that would just are going to result in wide open threes yep. against Missouri. For sure. Um, yeah. So in this LSU game, uh, Missouri was down 19 points yeah. at one point. And it was like, well, my mindset was, uh, we were bound to lose one of these road games. It's, it's not going to be quadrant one. And you know, how do you, do you really expect to go all season, not dropping one of these? Yeah. And, and they just stormed back in yeah. the second half. Like immediately yes. after uh, halftime, they were back in it. But Yeah, had it down to single digits within a minute of yeah. the second half. The whole first half just didn't go well, but 
and I honestly wasn't really panicking at all until it got to a certain point, and then I was like, it, "It's over. It might be over. <laughs> it might be too too big of a lead to overcome." When they were like in the 40s in Missouri, it was in the 20s at one point. There was just like something about you know, that first number. If it's like you know two digits higher, yeah. then it's like okay, I think we're <laughs> too far out of this. Yeah, and the uh, I think John Sunville did exactly what I've done in the past. We like called for a Mizzou run. Like they gonna they got to do something here to get back in this, and then LSU like makes a three and goes up by more than they had all, like their biggest lead of the game. Mm-hmm. Like okay, but uh, Golston and Hodge they were the ones that kept it. I almost said they single handedly, they together single handedly uh, kept it from getting too far away, and uh, I mean they're the only reason it wasn't over in the first half. Mm-hmm. Golston just making guys jump using his pivot foot up and under moves they were isolating him finding mismatches for him and he was getting it done yeah yeah i thought uh yeah obviously goldstone was great hodge had some super clutch threes i mean he just hitting three after three it felt like and um i thought noah carter had some really clutch plays um kind of down the stretch uh he was getting some key rebounds and putbacks and stuff like that um hit a couple threes so yeah, everybody just kind of – it was a pretty balanced effort, and uh, everybody was kind of doing their part there in the second half. I thought it was interesting. There were three separate 13-2 runs in this game. Hmm. LSU started the game on a 13-2 run. Mizzou, uh, end of the first half, beginning of the second half, 13-2 run, and then ended the game on a 13-2 run. Wow. So the, uh, like, win probability – graph is a nice roller coaster Hmm. i mean it just in some ways it just kind of makes sense that the analytics in my opinion just don't really know what to do with missouri because they just play in such a unique way like how many teams do you know look for a three-pointer on a fast break like i mean they probably not very many and even in today's game i just like they'll they'll have numbers and then just throw it out to you know demoy hodge or, or nick connor will just pull up from yeah. if he's even remotely open in transition yeah. and stuff like that and there's just you know it's kind of like we talked about earlier they just give up rebounds they give up open shots like they're just choosing to do some of these things to gain an edge in another way and you know maybe that's kind of revolutionary in some ways and the analytics i think are confused sometimes by that yeah definitely well it doesn't you just look at their Kempom page and we've talked all year about their defensive efficiency numbers and like right now they're 190 on defensive efficiency which in some ways feels like they could actually be worse than that right but it's insane how like turnover percentage defense steal percentage defense they're fifth and second in the country yeah and then three-point field goal percentage 284th offensive rebound percentage 362 out of 363 nice so it's just like these yeah every uh, single metric completely polar opposites on half the metrics and then the other half defensively are just like elite yeah and just even offense versus defense offense is probably top 10 i'm assuming still and defense is 190 like everything about missouri's game is just like mirrored completely it makes me super curious to see next year two three years from now um, just basically each season now, I'm going to be like super cued into how is Coach Gates 
sort of forming a game plan around his players' strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we're almost done with the season. He has done that with this squad as best as you possibly could, I, I feel so. like, yeah. to like maximize those strengths def defensively. Mm -hmm. Now, they could go... I'm imagining they could run a defensive scheme that brings those polar opposites a little bit closer to each other. Mm -hmm. But then you're sacrificing any, you know, none of it, none of it would be elite. Then we're right. not forcing turnovers at an elite pace. If you're also not giving up as many offensive rebounds. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And next year, obviously we won't have Hodge. Uh, we won't have Golston. Uh, there are some key players kind of that I feel like this, these schematics are built around that we will not have next year so it will be pretty fascinating to see uh, how they change in some of those ways I was thinking the other day about what a Cleveland State team would look like this year with Hodge and Gomillion and whoever else they he could have brought in I, I don't want to think yeah I don't want to think about it too much but it is just kind of insane like these guys were on Cleveland State last year yeah and like Hodge, especially, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Golston was at Milwaukee. Yeah, like limited a athletically. These yeah. guys are not like high pedigree athletes. Right. Like, they weren't, you know, five star guys, no. and not even on SEC teams' radars. Mm -hmm. But they're just being used really, really well. Yeah. And they've, they're older guys who have yeah. learned how to play. And like I think the, that's a big part of it. The broadcast crew was talking about Golston. He's been in these situations so many times, and he knows. When, when he gets the ball, he knows if he can take his defender or not. Yeah. Now he's got the confidence and the ability to most of the time give it a try. It's a grown man out there. Yeah. He really – he was making some moves, like, that transcend, like, old man ball. <laughs> he was, like, doing the old man move, but then making, like, an impressively athletic finish with it. Man. He's you been – see something. Yeah. He – looking at uh, – looking at his – profile and just looking at his points i don't remember a guy that has so many like 15 plus games scoring and so many zeros if you look down the list it is kind of insane we just need a few more of those um let me see any big points here yeah in the lsu game though mizzou you mentioned, uh, I think you mentioned them not taking the lead until like a minute and a half left. It looked like there was potential where the way Missouri was playing, they were just going to run away with it. Yeah. But then LSU was able to answer and be like, okay, we're not going to let our 19-point lead go away this easily. Yeah, and they Missouri tied it with like 10 minutes to go in the game Yeah, after being down 19 late in the first half. Mm -hmm. So they closed that gap like so fast. And then, yeah, it was like, okay, well, are we just going to – have we broken LSU spirit at this point? Like, it seems like we're just going to probably end up winning this by double digits. Like, we could do that. But LSU did not back down. And so, of course, we win by five, which is exactly the uh, advanced metrics prediction. Yep. Uh, so we don't get any credit, basically, exactly for the win. Exactly how I'm sure they <laughs> predicted we would get there. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, honestly, like 81-76, I feel like that is – exactly what Kimpom was predicting before the game. His formulas, they, they know something. They just know. Uh, I was impressed with Missouri not missing a free throw against LSU. That is like 
one thing when those comeback attempts fall short and you look back and you're like oh mm. yeah x amount of times we had a chance to for sure tie it at the free throw line or something what did we predict last week for lsu i'd have to go back and look but something pretty probably, close to that probably pretty close um oh don't forget about uh of course the the classic thing of like this player who uh doesn't normally shoot lights out coming in and making threes oh yeah in the lsu game it was a walk-on senior who started who got the start on senior night parker edwards and his first two shots are made threes that was part of that 13 to 2 run for lsu to start the game yeah that was a that felt like a bad omen yeah <laughs> they put him back in the game at one point i mean like he he goes in there drains two threes and then it's like do we leave him in <laughs> like, because they call the timeout or something there was a timeout or something like that and it was i remember kind of thinking like they could leave this dude in but i don't they did not no. but then he did come back in the game later yeah and didn't six, do anything six minutes six points good two, for him two shot attempts two makes one foul he's got a he's got a story oh yeah although like if uh I don't know that I would have thought much of it. Like, obviously, he wasn't on the scouting report, but uh, I don't know. LSU not winning many games. That they're like, yeah, we're trying something different, bringing this guy off the end of the bench. <laughs> he made the shot, Gave so spark. why would I have questioned it? Um, did you see the bench reaction when he made the three? Yeah, the second one. Yeah. That's why you questioned yeah, it. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, so Missouri now... 22 and 8 so far. One regular season game left. Let me look back here. They won 20 games, Conzo's first year. Uh, Frank Haith's last year, they won 21 regular season games. Which was 13 14? Yeah. Uh, 12 13 season. They had 22 regular season wins. So Phil Pressey's last year with Lawrence Bowers. And then, of course, they had 27 regular season wins the year before that. Jeez. So, yeah, we're if we beat Ole Miss last game of the season, this is one of the better seasons in the last 15, 15 years. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Dennis Gates just coming in, getting it done. Yeah, in some ways it's like doesn't even feel like it. I don't know. It's like this team is, man, they're so fun to watch. I, and but it's like it's almost like I know them too well, and it's like I know they're they're flawed, but I also know what they're capable of. But it just feels like this can't keep going on. Like they can't <laughs> they can't keep they can't keep this up, and they do, and they just they keep pulling off wins and. Uh, they've been winning on the road here, and they've they've kind of um, had a, a favorable schedule down the stretch. But they they took advantage of it, and they did exactly what they needed to do. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a fraudulent twenty-two win team, but it, no. at the same time, it kind of feels like I can't believe that we have twenty-two wins. Yeah, because it felt like um, after I mean, there's been multiple points now after the loss to Mississippi State earlier the back-to-back losses to Auburn and A&M it was like okay yeah we were we were flirting with a top four seed but we were never really that serious about it this always felt like we were going to settle back into like seventh place eighth place in the conference and then 
we'll see what happens. But no, they've answered and um, now put themselves in a spot where they actually could get the double buy. Yeah. And it's not that it's not a ridiculous scenario that needs no. to happen. They it's need some help. Like but a 30, 30 to 40 percent chance, uh, I would say, without running any solvers or anything, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and just to uh, spell that out here, obviously, Missouri needs to win against Ole Miss, but then all that needs to happen is Auburn beat Tennessee on Saturday. Um, yeah. So um, they can, I, I can't, you might've just said this, but they can get the three seed if Tennessee loses to Auburn and Kentucky loses to Arkansas. They can get the four seed if just one of those two games happen. They have Missouri has to win. Yeah, yeah. Missouri has to be Ole Miss. Yeah. But as long as Kentucky or Tennessee loses, they will get the four seed. Ooh. So honestly, it's probably better than a thirty to forty percent chance yeah. because um, still got to win the game though. Still have to. Win, Missouri has to win their game, but Kentucky is on the road mm-hmm. at Bud Walton. That's a tough place to win. Arkansas trying to they're trying to make shoot. their case for seeding and all that. Exactly. Uh, so they have some reasons to win for sure. Um, and Tennessee's on the road at Auburn. And as we saw, that is a tough place to play. Yeah. And Bruce Pearl is, well, he's kind of mad these An days. An insane person. So, yeah. yeah. So he'll probably have him ready to play. So I, I really do think that if I'm, if I'm putting money on it, I think, which I'm not, but I, th- I think <laughs> Missouri is, uh, is a, a top four seed going into the SEC tournament. We needed a little bit of help last night and got it. It both seemed unlikely oh, for man. a second, but all, all uh, three games, including Missouri's, yes. obviously, was just like I can't believe this happened. Like uh, Vanderbilt pulled off a win at Rupp last night yes. at the very end of the game. Yeah, just kind of came out of nowhere. That last shot to win it was like kind of goofy looking, like he, like he was about to travel, but then he made the fadeaway. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and, and Kentucky had to lose both their last games and. For them to kind of be involved and in the, they they could have locked up the three seed last night yeah and it could have been over and but they they lose at home and vanderbilt's sneaky good they're kind of like actually involved now yeah uh and then alabama was losing to auburn at home by like double digits at one point they come back and win in overtime all of this is happening at the same time while parker edwards is draining threes on missouri yes. so so then yeah so then it looked like oh we actually got the help we need and now this is what we're, we're gonna, gonna do lose. we're gonna go lose by yep. 20 at lsu uh-huh so it's all coming together all a little together, bit here. Yeah. Stars are aligning a little bit. And now we might have just spent all our good luck there. Magic of last March, night, all on the first day of March, and now it's over. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that does bring us to the last game of the season. Uh, Saturday we have Senior Day against Ole Miss for the season finale. Dennis Gates said nine players will be recognized as seniors and do the Senior Day thing, but. Only Hodge, Gomillion, and Golston are out of eligibility. And so he said the, the going through senior day stuff does not deter- determine anything for the other six players. Any of them could return. He's not going to make him go get a real job or something. Well, <laughs> so far, it doesn't seem like it. He hasn't at least come out and said it like <laughs> yeah. the previous coach did. Yeah, and considering he brought in Hodge, Gomillion, and Golston specifically to use up that fifth year. I feel pretty good about 
decent chunk of these guys returning. Speaking of a job, uh, sounds like Gomillion's got a job on the staff. I, Gates has been like pretty open. Oh yeah, like yeah, hey, he's gonna be on our staff next year, or sounds like or just me. at some point. Yeah. yeah, which honestly, I kind of feel like everybody knew that was coming. But yeah, that does sound good. Um, yeah, I mean, just gut feeling. I mean, what? Who, who do you think's coming back? I think I think Nick Honor will come back. East is back. East is back. Um, who else are we even talking about here? Is Noah Carter one of them? Or is he a junior? He's back. He's back. Uh, I mean, obviously the big one's Kobe. That's probably the one where, like, Kobe obviously has, has NBA prospects. I, I'm not sure what he's going to do. So the guys listed as technically seniors are that not counting those three are Sean East. I think he's back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Noah Carter. Back. I think he's back. I guess we're actually talking about Mosley. Mm. Is technically a senior, but will he even, will he be one of these participating? <laughs> I have no idea. That'd be a little bit strange, perhaps. And then, I don't know how they're getting nine guys. Unless we're talking about a couple walk-ons, but oh, maybe. Um, yeah, the big one is Kobe, yeah. and I don't know. I feel like I think at one point in the season, I would have said he's coming back. I don't think he gets drafted in the NBA. I don't know if he gets drafted either, but he could. I mean, he could go the uh, Drew Smith route and just like try to grind it out in the G League and mm-hmm. summer league and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he is the opposite of, like, a prototypical NBA-type prospect. Forward, yeah. 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 Yeah, and I feel like even though his shooting percentage has been really solid this year, I just feel like NBA staffs are going to think they need to rework some stuff with his shot to have it ready for the next level. That'll probably scare people away a little bit. I don't know. We're talking ourselves into it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like if I had to predict right now, I would predict Kobe returns. Mm-hmm. But that seems like too good of a thing to have happen. Yeah. <laughs> that I don't want to predict it. Yeah. Part of me thinks that he should just take advantage of the season he's had because analytically, I don't know that he's uh, he's progressed every year. I don't know if he can progress a whole lot more than he has. No, this feels like close to his ceiling. I agree. But we, we've kind of said that about him last year, honestly. Yeah. And he proved us wrong. So he had those like ceiling moments last year, mm-hmm. and now he's done that for like three fourths of the season. Yeah. So I don't know. That that's one that will come down to it. I'm sure, and he'll probably he'll probably uh, declare and then kind of see what his what his yeah, feedback is. Absolutely. Uh, no reason not to do that. Um, yeah. It does uh, of course this always happens, but I might as well embrace it. Like you get close to the end of the year, you start peeking ahead to next year, and you know what the team might look like and it's it's going to be so intriguing because we're going to have to rely on younger guys a little bit more and but if honor and east come back i actually really like that as like the uh the core foundation. of the yeah the foundation uh having those two guards that can run the show yeah i mean if you've got that i mean that's that can get you a long way just yeah. having guards that know what they're doing kind of ru- facilitating the offense and not turning it over that that can uh, get you pretty far ahead so what do we think about this Ole Miss game uh Ole Miss Missouri beat Ole Miss back in Columbia in January uh 89 to 77 since then Ole Miss has gone two and eight and 
Coach Kermit Davis was fired. They are now 11 and 19, 3 and 14 in SEC play, 116 in Kempom, 145 on offense, 105 on defense. That was a road game, not a home game. That was at Ole Miss. Mm -hmm. They won. Missouri won big. I was a little bit confused there because I heard you say Columbia, and I was like, oh, maybe I just misheard. Um, I wrote it down wrong. um, Yes, that was a a road win, which that was kind of like one of the – that was pretty much the first time we saw Missouri just dominate on the road. They looked like their normal selves, like they were shooting confidently and shooting well. And That was that quiet arena game. Yes. Um, So I just fully expect that to repeat, I think. Um, you know, and sometimes they can get the the fired coach bump. And honestly, mm-hmm. Ole Miss has played pretty well since Kermit Davis was fired. It's only been like two or three games, but you know they've they've played hard. They've been in games, so I you know I don't know that they're going to roll over and die either. But I, I expect Missouri to to play well. Yeah, I feel like Ole Miss is like in that perfect spot for an opponent where Ole Miss does not have much of an identity with their team they're kind of going to be along for the ride and try to make enough shots to win mm-hmm. basically they are not at all the type of team to impose their will and even if they did you wouldn't even recognize it because they're just kind of yeah you know mediocre at too many things to be like oh this is Ole Miss really doing what they do best mm-hmm. but if Missouri's going to struggle at all in this one it's going to be like I mean it makes me watching the two first halves of these last two games makes me worried that we're just going to have a game where we do that for the whole game we're going to put together two bad shooting halves and just lose a game against a inferior opponent but that was the Auburn game you think yeah <laughs> okay yeah we got I mean according to SEC standings uh yeah it's an inferior opponent yeah, I guess we got out of our system man no, I mean any any time you play Missouri's defense, you're you're flirting with with that. You're flirting with disaster, really, at any time. Um, and you open yourself up to getting you know getting beat by a worse team. But at the same time, Missouri has not done that. Yeah. They have not had a single loss outside of Quad One. Yeah. Uh, Ole Miss. If uh, if this helps you at all, Ole Miss three point shooting percentage. As a team, they're shooting 30% on the year. That's good for 345th okay. in the country. I'm not too scared of that. Yeah. They'll, I'm sure they'll still shoot like 47% in this game and still lose by 15. That sounds good to me. I'll take it. <laughs> um, yeah, nothing nothing too terribly scary here from Ole Miss. Um, will they have the interim coach bump? Who knows? It's kind of a good year, they, I feel like. They could and still lose by 15. True. Um, kind of sneaky good time to be looking for a new coach. It seems like last year it was like they were right on the edge of firing uh, Kermit Davis. and then most people thought they would. Right. It, but it was like that was the trend in the SEC last year. It was That's like true. go find a new coach. And maybe it'll work out for them better that they uh, just – kept him for one more year and now they'll be one of the few sec coaches looking for sec programs looking for a new coach this offseason yeah i mean if that if that was truly their rationale for keeping kermit davis that's kind of savvy actually yeah. <laughs> and it could work out for them for sure because i think that they, you know unless an sec coach you know moves up or something like that 
I don't think anyone else is getting fired, so they might be the only team that's that's changing coaches this year. Um, let's get our predictions, and then remind me about a coach moving up. Okay. If I if I forget, um, you like a fifteen point win, Missouri win. Yeah, I heard, Missouri, heard you say a few I'm times. Gonna, I'm gonna say Missouri wins by fifteen. Um, I'm gonna say eighty five seventy, just because that's easy math. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I think. Missouri's gonna win. I like eighty to seventy-two, eight point one. Okay. And what did you say? Eighty-five seventy. Mm, yep. I like that too. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, I saw a random like it was kind of a clickbaity you're gonna tweet. say dennis is, is leaving no no no, okay, no no okay okay, okay. well well <laughs> there was something that this is like the most generic piece of information ever but this is the rumor was a, a coach who is about to go to the ncaa tournament is also uh, from a power five team is also looking to depart and find a better job that was it <laughs> I saw that on Twitter from a, from a, like, what's his name? Matt Norlander. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love Matt Norlander. Yeah. yeah. That was uh, his little rumor. I hope I'm I an hope SEC that was coach. No. Oh no. Just a coach. <laughs> a, a coach in yeah. power five. Yeah. Is headed to the NCAA they're, they're, tournament. They're good headed to the tournament, but the coach wants to move up. Yeah. Openly. Yeah. But he wouldn't say who. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought you were like, I couldn't tell if you were like giving me some kind of like trivia. Like, no, no, no. Can you guess who it is? No, no, no. It's more of like, is it, is it coach? Is it Dennis? Oh. We're going to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it could be. We are a lock. And we yeah. have been. Um, we oh, are you, power five. Thanks okay. for that anxiety. In the tweet, he, he did say that there was buzz around it and that he would be willing to leave. So some people thinking Buzz Williams. Oh, okay. That'd be something. One of that Coach Drinkwitz, uh, yeah. little wordplay or something. That's what people were thinking in the in the replies to okay. the tweet. Okay, something to keep an eye on. Um, that wouldn't surprise me. He could, he could, yeah, I think he could move up. He like he loves just like finding a a landing spot that's like basically similar to where he already is, and then just going there. Like he went, what like Marquette, Virginia Tech. Texas A&M. Now he'll go to like Minnesota or Is something. Is there a break in there some t- somewhere too? I don't know. Maybe he took a year off. Um, let's uh, before we finish up here, let's let's do look at the seeding one more time. Obviously, nothing's updated exactly since uh, last night's win, but man, it really feels like all the signs are pointing to Missouri being on that eight nine seed line. Yeah. We don't love that. I'm going to try not to just get on my soapbox here because I know that I've talked about this stuff before. We I mean, we kind of touch on it every time about how the analytics don't agree with what I at least perceive Missouri's resume to be as far as like, who have you beat? Who have you lost to? If you look at the quad one system, if you look at like the, the quadrant system, which is uh, of the net rankings, uh, Missouri does not rank well in the net. I think they're like... Uh, upper 40s mm-hmm. right around 50 yeah and um but at the same time you look at the kind of the breakdown of, of who they beat in the quadrants 
they don't they do not have a loss outside of quadrant one they look far superior to really anybody in their direct vicinity in mm-hmm. the net rankings and they're, they're behind teams like north carolina who have like one quadrant win and that you know that kind of stuff and so it just it's kind of a jumbled mess i hope that the committee has the ability to kind of see past that but i, I really don't know i don't know you know what's going to go into that um so i think missouri honestly like and i'm i guess i'm biased i, I will have to admit here but if I'm doing a blind resume, like I literally think Missouri looks more like a six, seven seed traditionally, but I do, I'm afraid they're going to fall on the eight, nine line. So what's holding us back right now? Is it, do you think it's more the early games? We needed a top 100 win in there sometime in November to go with all those 300 level wins. Or do you think it's more that in those quadrant one losses, a good portion of them are just blowouts where we were not competitive at all 100 percent that i don't think that the non-conference really affects anything that much unless you're losing sure uh, missouri beat iowa state handily and i don't really think that moved the needle that much i don't think that gets brought up in conversations um that's basically iowa state has kind of fallen off a cliff they definitely have um but they were better at that time yeah but 100 percent, i think it's missouri's just polarizing analytics where they they do th- certain things horribly so that kind of pulls them down in the rankings. Uh, they're they're nearly 200th in, in defensive efficiency. So there are things that if you're not kind of reading between the lines like we are in on this podcast, then you're and you're just seeing Missouri ranks 50 plus in Kimpom uh, and that kind of stuff. Then you're just yeah. It, and I think sometimes the the committee plays the conference game where the SEC doesn't look as strong in their eyes to you know the Big Ten or the Big 12, which honestly the Big Ten is is not very good the acc is horrible i feel like big 10 and sec should be seen as equals uh yes yeah. this year yeah. definitely this year but it's hard to look past brand name sure and sure. i think that 100 percent plays a role so and um you know if you really want to get down into the weeds of the uh, analytics game uh in, in kim palm and in that rankings I, I definitely think that there's some kind of lasting impact that continues to affect teams the entire season based on where they start in the rankings and i think that north carolina is a great example of a team that started really high i mean they're probably a preseason top five team they did really well in the ncaa tournament last year and had a lot of guys return but they've had a very disappointing season yet they still rank higher than missouri in the rankings because i think there's probably some kind of pedigree bonus that they're getting in for lack of a better term they're kind of getting favoritism in the rankings throughout the season just because the model expects them to kind of return to kind of regress to what ex- they originally expected them to do so that's kind of, i'm just thinking like you know missouri didn't have that they weren't expected to be good this year right and so yeah, just, arkansas is another example that's similar in that regard exactly yeah arkansas is like 15th mm-hmm. in the net so i don't know i think there's just there's a lot that goes into it but missouri's not going to look good in the analytics so it's just all going to come down to what the committee favors yeah, and it's not like we're asking. It's not like we're hoping for a five seed, right? Where you'd be like, "Oh, this is a team that should be able to compete against the top four seeds." Which, if Arkansas had Missouri's exact resume, I think they'd be a four or five seed, <laughs> potentially. Yeah. Um, getting to the seven spot, getting to the seven seed, would open things up as far as like the possibilities of a run, mm-hmm. um, but. At the same time, Missouri hasn't won. Missouri basketball program 
has not won an NCAA tournament game in a billion years. So let's just win in round one yeah. and not worry about what happens after that. I agree. That's kind of where I'm at. I agree with you. But the good news is uh, we're going to the NCAA tournament no matter what at this point. Yep. So that is fun. We, we will not be sweating anything on Selection Sunday. And I got to think back just for a second. We're almost done here. But um, preseason, we were like, oh, yeah, this is an NIT team uh-huh. with Isaiah Mosley in the fold. May At best, we're maybe a bubble team, right? That's probably where the, our thinking was. Yeah. And we just crushed all of those expectations. Without Mosley. Yes. <laughs> Feels good. Feels good. How good is Cleveland State this year? <laughs> Let me look. I'll tell you, that's a really good question. I've not paid attention at all to Cleveland State. Cleveland State is not terrible record-wise. Nineteen and twelve, fourteen and six in uh, Horizon. Uh, One eighty-eight in Kempom, but even with uh, that's the best team under Gates. Kempom wise was one sixty-nine, so they were never going to get the love there because of their schedule. Mm-hmm. So they haven't fallen off too terribly. That's what happens when you build a program, you know? Yeah, yeah, just lasting impact. Yeah. Build the statue. Even if you take a few guys. Yeah. So we got one more game before SEC tournament, which mm-hmm. will start next. I guess Missouri will play on Thursday or Friday of mm-hmm. next week, mm-hmm. depending on how everything goes on Saturday. Yep. Fun times. Yes, very exciting. Yeah, there's still so much up in the air, though, with the uh, seeding mm-hmm. of the SEC tournament. You can't even – we'll uh, do yeah. a proper prediction once all the yeah, we've got, once all that's fine. We have one game left, and I have no idea, yeah. like, who Missouri's going to play in their first game, who, who they could play, whatever. That is one frustrating thing about the SEC tournament with having, like, the, play, the four teams play in the play-in game is, like, it's not even worth it to try to, like, okay, right now this is what the seeding would be, and we would play this team and then this team. I'm like – I don't even I don't want to deal with it because the bottom four teams play each other first and then yeah yeah there's there's so much that can happen but if we can somehow get a matchup in our first if we can grab that three or four seed and somehow I don't know how it'll work out play Florida in our first game that's basically the best possible thing that can happen yeah I mean yeah I would take except Florida would have to beat somebody potentially two people two teams I mean give me Florida, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt. You want Mississippi State? You're welcoming sure, that? Sure. Okay. I'll take it. I'd rather play them. Who would you rather play, Mississippi State or Auburn? I don't know. I was looking at that last night. I, honestly, I don't love either either of those teams. Auburn's been playing really well. Okay. I don't know. Mississippi State or Arkansas? Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like I kind of lean Mississippi State on both of those. <laughs> yeah. Let's play... Florida and then Vanderbilt and then I would, Texas A&M. I think there's a chance we could play Vanderbilt, but they would have to lose on Saturday. There'd have to be some things happen for sure because at this point Vanderbilt is only probably one spot behind Missouri, maybe two spots. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of hard to. Again, there's too, there's too much that can happen. We'll analyze it when we get there. We'll see soon enough. Um, are we done here? Yeah. All right, special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Garofalo, Brandon Hanks, thank you. 
Thank you very much, gentlemen. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will...